Welcome back to the Great Time Podcast, everybody. Coming at you once again with a special edition of Great Time Podcast International World Famous Cave Diving Month. You're here with Never Dive Alone, Jamesy. <laughs> and uh, wake me up before you go, go, Brando. And there we go. And uh, <laughs> we're back with another another look at uh, some 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 diving in general. But uh, yes, it is this time of year that we like to specifically tailor it to the cave diving thinking and how that's contributed to the overall scuba diving world these last number of years. And Brando, last week we were talking about accident analysis. Right. With that look at accident analysis from Jeffrey Bozanik in the NSS CDS Articles and Opinions book that I have. And he kind of highlighted a lot of the, the, the big five, the big five cave diving rules right. and kind of played around there. And one of the, uh, you know, I, I guess when you look back at, you know, the, the early days of cave diving, the early days of scuba diving in general. And I think that was our big look last week of like how cave diving just required a different way of looking at things. But that a lot of those ideas and theories and uh, practices really work, maybe not word for word, but the concepts really apply to open water scuba, too. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's like a lot of cave diving. It's directly relatable to open water. As a matter of fact, we got a lot of our stuff from cave divers. Especially in the last couple of decades. Yeah. The, the two have really started to work together in many ways. Yeah. Or I should say uh, it's it's trickled trickled into the open water pond. A lot of the practices and equipment configurations and dive planning and gas management and, and team equipment. awareness and yeah yeah equipment period so well yeah there weren't there it had to be the last few decades i mean it wasn't in the 1800s the two factions weren't really talking to each other back then yeah even <laughs> even in the the 1980s it, they weren't talking to well, each other i don't know much. I mean, you, when you look at back at those early Skin Diver magazines, they would have cave diving articles from time to time by the the pen of the likes of uh, Tom Mount from time to time, and old Sheck Exley and Randy Boer would contribute to some articles from time to time. You'd see pop up in Skin Diver, but th- then, like in the editor's you know opinion piece, there would be something about. This is why it's a whole different animal. Yeah. You know, there would be a strong, you know, component that said cave diving is not sport diving, especially later on in the, in the 90s when it had its boom and, and the, the education was growing. But nowadays, it's, it's more along the lines of there's so much content out there for people to see cave diving. It's, it's becoming pretty clear early on. It's not this destination that maybe you'll get to if you've done every other scuba specialty possible a lot of people are getting into diving specifically for a a goal of visiting one of their like most beautiful sites they see pop up on 
social media. Yeah, I think more than back then for sure. But of course, you know, it is still a, a small fraction of the entire diving population that does it. And of course, its reputation as being the apex of dive training. You know, a lot of people venture into cave diving simply for that, you know, for the training itself. Now, when you take a regular old open water scuba class, one of the questions that you're going to be asking and talking about and might even be a quiz question, maybe it's on the final exam, uh, is a question of the buddy system and always diving with a buddy. It's pretty well known that most, most scuba in general talks about, you know, you got to have a dive buddy. But there's a lot of discrepancy after that of what a dive buddy really is. And, uh, you know, diving alone versus just being in the water with another person. You know, where do we draw that line of the buddy? Yeah, I mean, if you especially if you look at your average open water course, the buddy system is a, a tenant of open water diving course. They train you in the buddy system. But do they really train you? It's uh, The definition is very vague, like a lot of the open water coursework. Uh, it's basically somebody in the water with you, but being a good buddy, as we know, is a lot more than that. Yeah, like early on when uh, the educational models were being built, I mean, a lot of that just came from basic watermanship and the old... Uh you know, notion of never swim alone became never dive alone. You should always have a, a buddy there with you. But training the buddy and and having a buddy, we know, are two very different things. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, what diving alone is is, uh, is a topic that, you know, because you and I sit here we're as big proponents of never diving alone, but you as a you know, a trained commercial diver know that when you're working and the boss is paying the, the bill, sometimes he's only going to pay for one person in the water. Yeah, but, I mean, that's a different animal completely, especially in the sense of you have comms almost always. You have comms to the surface, so you're not truly alone underwater there. You have a whole team of of personnel that are responsible for you while you're in the water. So it's not the same as... You know, uh, somebody who jumps in a, on a shipwreck by themselves or in the quarry by themselves and uh, really doesn't have a topside support system at all with with that, you know, idea of, okay, if they're not back at such and such a time, we're going to go after them or that kind of thing, you know. And what about your, uh, you've got a group of brand new open water divers taking their very first timid timid splash into <laughs> open water as an instructor <laughs> yes you have other people in the water with you but, but <laughs> you you got to kind of enter the water with the mindset of I'm kind of alone cuz well, these yeah. guys are still learning they really don't know what to do yeah and it's it's Sometimes, actually, onto the other side of of diving, you know, you're better off diving alone in some cases. Okay, so you're you're on that other side of the line where blasphemer, <laughs> blasphemer. Well, I mean, the uh, the diving alone proponents do have a point. 
that there is a time when that partner you're with is, is such a bad buddy that they actually are increasing the risk of you diving with them. <laughs> you know, your risk is higher being with that person underwater. There you go. And then, like, uh, you're on the reef and uh, the one buddy's nose in the camera and that's all all the buddy sees is what's through that viewfinder. <laughs> Uh, and, and they're swimming off in a different direction, chasing the eagle ray down to 160 feet because it's all they can think about. And there you are left at the, the, the top of the reef in 60, 70, 80 feet of water alone. Well, yeah, you have a buddy, but. But. That's a big but. It's a big but. Yeah, there's uh there's a point at which your buddy is a hindrance if your buddy is not on the same page. If you're, you're, you're just two, two separate people that happen to be in the water together and not thinking alike or there to help each other in, in case of need. So there's different degrees of solo diving, I guess, is where, where I'm well, going. Yeah, I don't think there's any cut and dry like... Uh, you know, line that you cross. It's all a very vague, grayish area where, yeah, you may have another person with you physically, but that person can be a hindrance. I mean, the, the solo crowd does have a valid point that, yes, the other person on your in your team, if you want to call it a team, if you're in your buddy system, the uh, one of the people can be a hindrance. They can be a safety risk, not a not a safety uh, helping factor, a safety aiding factor. You know? Do you know anybody yeah, like I, that? Do you know anybody that <laughs> when you go diving with them, you're like, I, I'm, uh, you know, putting my putting my life out there on the edge. <laughs> you know? Right, right. There's people that uh, you get in the water with, and you, and I guess that's kind of my point is you have to change your mindset. Of like that is exactly yes. I out. know I have a buddy in the water, but holy shit, right? <laughs> this buddy's demanding, and and I I can't just swim around with the same way of thinking I would if I was in the water with a really good teammate. I guess it's just like, you know, uh, you're playing tennis. You can play solo or you can play doubles. <laughs> you would think ah, if I just play doubles, I've got more of this tennis court mm. covered. So I just grab grab <laughs> anybody is better than just me out here alone. No. And there's a difference with having like a well-practiced, trained right. partner on the tennis court with you. Yeah, well, that goes again to our, our um, mantra of diving in a team, really. The, the idea of a team isn't just another person in scuba gear that's, you know, possibly certified. The idea of a team is you have the same mindset, the same skill set, and the same awareness of each other. That's a team. And that's a mantra, too. That's a mantra. Speaking of mantra, Brando. <laughs> Uh-oh. We got to remind the people that, you know, coming up this week... It's time for the ultra mantra, ultra <laughs> face-off of uh, sporting events. The Super Bowls this weekend. I know you're a huge, huge Super Bowl fan. Am I because, though? Uh, Am I really? <laughs> hey, we can't. We can't. You have a. Tell you have a beard. That. Of course. Like 
you got a manly beard. You, you bearded <laughs> men like takes. watching the Super Bowl. Haven't you seen <laughs> these guys out? Of, you know, have you seen Kelsey's? Kelsey, who's that? Taylor Swift's boyfriend. I yeah, think he plays football. Yeah. I know who it is. I'm just trying Anyways, to. Anyways, Brando, the two best teams point. are here to square off this weekend and uh, to see who is the champion of facial fuzz, Brando versus old Jamesy, and <laughs> who's refereeing is our friends over at Manscaped, and they're helping us get prepped for everything that we need for the big Beard Bowl game this weekend with uh, the help of the Beard Hedger Pro Kit, which we all know is the MVP, everybody, of facial grooming. Brando, it's got that precision trimming, water-resistant technology, enough styling options to outplay any opponent. And guess what, everybody? You can join the winning team along with 10 million men worldwide who already trust Manscaped with our special code TGDP. Go to manscaped.com, use that code, get 20% off free shipping, and you can craft your winning look with Manscaped. Manscaped. Get it. Da da da. <laughs> da da da. Um, yeah, everybody. Uh, Manscapes—they're throwing in a beard accessory pack right now, everybody. So, you know, Brandon loves his little beard brush and beard comb, the little fine-tuning beard scissors, all those little finishing touches that every modern Brando-looking bearded <laughs> gentleman deserves to quaff their face with. Quaffing my face. I've never put it that way, but uh, I do appreciate a good beard trimmer. I've gone through a lot over the years, and uh, yeah, Manscapes definitely, definitely cut cut the mustard or cut the whiskers, if you will. There you go, everybody. Go uh, use uh, Manscaped to help you trustfully cut your whiskers. <laughs> or they'll cut Get the that mustard. They cut the mustard if you use mustard as a shaving gel. That's a formulation that does not come in the accessory pack, people. But you can get over there and uh, get those other formulations. uh, 20% off also and free shipping with our code TGDP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with the code TGDP. Gear up for the real halftime show this year at the old Bearded Bowl Super Bowl. And uh, guess what? Your beard could take center stage right next to Taylor Swift. Whoa, that's a that's a heavy claim, Mister Brando. Speaking of mantras, I have you, uh, a, you really locked into this this word mantra. I I use mantras, uh, you know, in my daily conversations. Mantra. What's your mantra? Like, what's your zodiac sign? What's your mantra? Try it. It works. My mantra is never to say the word mantra or not say it too often. My mantra today is to those who would dive alone. Dun, dun, dun. Why don't you do it in one of your famous, uh, or getting to be famous, uh, I don't want to call them voices, because as I edited last last week's episode, I was really impressed with that. The emotive, like, content of your, I mean, you're like a pro. To those yeah, that right who would there. dive alone this Sunday, Sunday, you know. To those who would dive alone, low, 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 low. <laughs> Which is what you might hear if you were diving alone in a cave and it wasn't filled with water and the sounds could reverberate. 
you would hear, oh, no, 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 Hence, you no, wouldn't be no, diving. No. But Instead, you just hear flopping. Exactly. Of bubbles. Uh, this was written by uh, Roger Werner, and this was an article that, that was given to students, cave diver students, in the NSS CDS workbook that I have right here. Nice. And it's an interesting look at the the act of the maybe the urge to the curiosity contained <laughs> the <laughs> the wanton willingness to wiggle the, your way through a, a the wee diving little decision <laughs> yes. of solo diving solo diving say it like that James there's a Editor's note that says the opinions expressed in this article and its authors should not be inferred to represent the official policies or attitudes of the NSS cave diving section. But we are but. going to include it in <laughs> the NSS cave diving section's cave training coursework. But it's not our opinion necessarily. Right. <laughs> Roger says, for a long time, I have abstained from writing on the subject of solo diving because it is not officially condoned and because I do not wish such an article to give the appearance of a micro course in solo diving. However, in recent years, I have witnessed increasingly more people engaged in solo diving alone and have ever read its glorification by more than one author such that I can hold my peace no longer. First, let me say that, like any diving, diving alone in a cave still cannot be done without risk. I know of no organization which endorses solo cave diving. This article is not intended to promote any sort of diving. I write it out of concern for the manner in which I see so many people doing their solo cave dives. Granted, there are many advantages to diving alone. You can do exactly what you want, when you want, and need not be concerned with the shortcomings of a buddy or his equipment. Some buddies may present, <laughs> quote unquote, I saw that buddy. buddies. <laughs> buddy hung tough. They may present so much of a hazard as to outweigh the probable benefit of their presence. However, I have identified several risks in solo diving for which I have not been able to find solutions. And I, and I guess th this goes back a little bit to, to what we had said before and earlier of, you know, why people solo dive a lot to begin with. And it's yeah. because somehow this goddamn terrible diver quote unquote buddy <laughs> has got a certification but he's a clear liability in the water i'm not diving with this clown well i think i'm, I'm just gonna go alone <laughs> so you can yeah. see where the the thinking goes right well yeah and this guy this guy roger this gentleman he he put it a good way in the sense of when you when you talk about the the issues with diving with a buddy that the solo divers will bring up there are solutions to them available and, and right. they all include getting on the same page and having your your teammate really up his game or 
a lot of times you think it's your teammate. You know, the the, the mirror is nowhere to be found when, when you're criticizing what's going on in the water. Uh, it may be you. It may be you yourself. But there are solutions in the sense of train better. Get Get an instructor that can help you understand the complexities of diving in a team and and how to work through them and you actually become a much stronger entity in the water as a team than you do as a single solo diver no matter how awesome you think you are how incredible super diver you are if you have a good team member you are going to be a thousand times better than you know a thousand times either better equipped or better able to handle an issue with a proper teammate you know so there is a solution and that's what i liked about it he's like uh the the solo diving crowd points to this one issue my buddy is bad he's he's gonna kill me okay so there's a solution to that go alone right there's a solution like go get your team and you train better the other side of it is my buddy's so bad I'm going by myself and any problems I run, might run into, I'm going to handle alone. Well, that's a problem that there there really isn't uh, as good of a solution as the, the buddy team. Like you can't train yourself to, to handle everything alone underwater, no matter how good you are. You, you know, that spare bottle, great, it's nice, but it ain't the same as a buddy. Doesn't right, have hands exactly. or a brain or anything. In this old book of mine, this old leather-bound book, leather-bound mahogany, Stoic library. Meditations by Brando. Stoic, <laughs> Stoic Meditations by Brando. There's it's a great a, book. Is it autographed? It's one of my. It's, I got <laughs> it's an autographed copy. This uh, there's a, there's a great one in here that says. If every dive buddy you've ever had is a bad dive buddy, <laughs> Brando's magic mirror might show you that it is, in fact, you who is the bad buddy. Well, yeah. Well, that's a great, I mean, that's a great mantra right there. <laughs> right. It might be me. You know, be able to look in the mirror and say, it may be me. I may be the asshole. He's got a section called Unsolved Hazards of Diving Alone. He says, most of my unsolved hazards fall into the category of failures of the mind or body. It's easy to carry redundant equipment, but you have only one body and only one brain. And that right there mirrors kind of what you were just saying a minute ago. Yes. You can't get a, you know, an extra brain, an extra, an extra set of hands, an extra set of eyes looking for hazards and, and possible issues going in or out of the cave so he says failures of the mind can be divided into confusion bad judgment and careless errors for example only a day or two before one of my first solo dives i heard a story about a reputedly good experienced cave diver who had died while diving alone the story attributed his death to his having failed to notice a gap in the permanent line and upon his return, he saw the gap and became confused. I vowed that I would not repeat his error. <laughs> See? <laughs> well, that, that right there is exactly what I'm talking about. Like, it can't happen to me. And it, to me, I have, you know, I have a lot of 
not a lot. I have friends that, that are, I consider decent divers who really what I would call that's a decent diver, that's a good diver, but they have a lot of what I, I like to call it can't happen to me itis, okay, or it can't happen to me osis, or you know, you can keep going with this, but the idea like that'll never happen to me because that's just so ridiculous. Like you're so above that, and and I I do say it to them like that is the sign of a rookie. That is the sign of a you're you're fresh off the boat and you believe that all of those all of those people were dumber than you, and that's why it happened. And that that is just simply not the case. These uh. There's a lot of very bright people, very good divers that have died diving with what on the outside seems like a a silly-ass way to go diving, but it can happen to you. It's right here in the dive plan. Don't fail to <laughs> notice the gap. Don't I'm not let gonna your make equipment fail all at once. Yeah. <laughs> Don't fail to notice the gap, dumbass. He says right here, he says, to protect myself against missed gaps, I ran my own line. All the way from open water, everywhere I went. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is stuff like that would go through my head, too. This is akin to when I decided to, you know, I'm going to learn to dive twins and I'll teach myself where I jumped in the water with, you know, fucking four second stages. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. When I was only a short way into the dive... I thought I recognized where I was. I thought that by turning left, I would come out Olsen Sink in a short distance. In fact, I was not where I thought I was, and after a number of twists and turns in the tunnel, all of which already had permanent line in them, I became quite confused, comforted only by the continuous guideline back out, which I still held in my hand. If I had not been running my own line, I probably would have turned the dive sooner, but I still wonder whether I would have turned soon enough. The moral of the story is when you're alone and get confused, you're on your own. If you have a buddy, then hopefully two brains will be able to work to both avoid confusion and try to resolve it if it does occur. Although this can also lead to disagreements. Yeah, and having an argument underwater <laughs> on which way to go in a cave system, it's not a, you don't want to be there. You do not want to uh, be there. No, I mean, uh, having a, a confusion in open water about <laughs> what way to go, you yeah. don't want to have, you know? You ever have one of those dives where, you know, you're you're looking, you're swimming in a direction that you think you're, you should be going, and then you look at your compass, and it's pointing uh-huh. it, it, totally in the wrong direction, you're like... Or you no, move your wrist it and it just goes, it starts spinning all over the place. <laughs> son of a... You got to grab your, your buddy's wrist and like, like Where the son of a bitch, we are going in the wrong direction. Why it, did it you say happen? something? Yeah. Well, I, I would blame them. Yes. <laughs> Why the hell Where did the you hell say Where the hell are you going? Am I doing this alone? Am I in the water by myself? Come on, 240 man. Deg- how'd you get 240 degrees on that compass? <laughs> Another confusing experience happened to me while diving in a highly decorated cave. I was lead diver and soon became quite confused due to the lack of well-defined walls in a large room. They were obscured by lots of stalagmites, stalactites, and columns, and spiderweb-like line, which crisscrossed back and forth, over, under, 
around and all over the room. We started to keep track of how many right and left turns we had made. However, the divers behind me, since my light was way ahead of theirs, saw a much bigger picture. They recognized from the start that we were just swimming around a big room and did not become confused. It was nice to have them along. Incidentally, this touches on one of the advantages of not being lead diver. Assuming the silt technique is not lousy, you see with your light and his way more more than you would with yours alone. Yeah. Yeah, so Brando, uh, diving in a group will give can give you a different and often much better perspective of where you're at, especially in those in when you're in a, a dark environment like that. Right. Well, as always, you know, another set of eyes coming from a different angle, different point of view. Yeah, they they give you a they at least help you get a bigger picture, a more accurate big picture of what's going on there. You know. I think back to a lot of like my early night dives. I think a, a lot of night dives for a lot of people out there. You know, it's one of the dives where some people love, some people are afraid of it, some people are weirded out because you don't know what's in the black water. All you can see is that little beam of light, like in front of, right directly, because everybody focuses so much on the on the heat of the light, and their head goes, and their light goes, and their lights going everywhere, their heads going, that thing's moving around, and you've got this small window of what you can see. Whereas I, I remember back to one of my early night dives, diving with an old mentor of mine. We were on, on a, a, a liveaboard boat. We were doing a shipwreck up in the Great Lakes. Did a night dive, and uh, he and I were two of the first ones getting in. I remember him saying, we're going to get in, and you, we'll shut our lights off and watch all these other guys come down. And it was like a scene out of Close Encounters of the Third Kind is what he described it as. <laughs> and it kind of was because you had all these like alien light beams yeah. coming down. Yeah. But the perspective was pretty interesting because the whole shipwreck got got lit up yeah. by these other lights. And then like in the course, your eyes adjust and you're like, wow, I can see a whole lot not even using my light at all. And it was a totally different perspective of a dive. You had like this extremely dark but macro perspective rather than like the the very focused micro perspective of just where my light beam individually goes. I mean, that's, you know, this whole idea right here of, of watching from the outside in and all the other divers with their light versus being the one with the light and watching only where that light is, is... I mean, you can you can take that idea to a whole another level. I mean, that's that's what's going on in people's minds as well. Just remember when you're not in it, when you're by yourself and you're in the middle of the shit, you don't see possible solutions. Whereas if you're on the outside looking at the shit happening, you go, "Oh, this is so simple," you know. And this is this is what I get at with my you know my buddies and your buddies too that that are like, "It can't happen to me because." I just read this article and I saw how he died and I'm not going to let that happen to me. And I'm like, well, when you're in the shit, your point of view is quite different than your partner who's not in the shit watching it. Those are yes. two different points of view. And f- just like you have an easy solution, like that would never happen because I just do this, that and the other thing. Um, 
I've got a checklist right here in my pocket. When you're when you're in the middle, you don't see those solutions. When you're it, when you're in the center, you can't see those solutions. Whereas your teammate, who's not in the shit, can look at it and go, "Yeah, I got this, this, and this as available solutions." Yeah, and uh, and I've got a totally different perspective, right? Of how it's happening and why it's happening. Yeah, and usually it's because you you know the it can't happen to me person. You know, fucked up. Yeah, no matter <laughs> no matter how well prepared you enter the dive, enter the water, you still can get confused. You can get confused. You can forget you have certain equipment. You can forget you took a certain turn. You you can forget a million things, or you can just have missed it for a second, or you you know, you something else is going on in your mind. Anyway, there's a million different reasons of why you can have a something happened to you that you said ah, it won't happen to me i i just read this accident analysis report and now i know that i won't do this i just that's all I, that's how i'll avoid it i'll just not do what he did yeah and you risk so now you know not only could you might get confused you could also have an error in your judgment exactly there's fallacies with the whole you know diving alone argument that it can't happen to me and that's the biggest fallacy like it can happen to you these people aren't morons they're not dumbasses they they had something happen they only had one point of view that perspective leads to a very limited amount of solutions to get out of uh, a predicament so i know you you're trying to read on with this article but i'm just getting started <laughs> he says <laughs> He says, I have another confession, speaking of errors in judgment. And when I was 13 years old, (laughs) I had naughty thoughts. (laughs) One day, while just getting into the water at a favorite cave, after a bit of walking and climbing in 100s, I noticed a torrential leak in my dry suit. It had never leaked that bad before. Upon closer inspection, I saw that my zipper had failed. It was wide open on the right side, and my shoulder was fully exposed, bare to the water. I was not happy. For what I did next, I can only plead temporary insanity, brought on by the emotional distress of seeing that my dry suit had just given up the ghost. I decided just to make a short dive. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just go in a little bit. That's like uh, just the tip. <laughs> well, it started out to be a short dive, turned into a longer dive. It was Florida with 70 Fahrenheit water. It really didn't feel too cold. Not once during the dive did it occur to me that my zipper might wait until the furthest point of penetration to pull all the way open. And that the open flap might then funnel in gallons of water, making the cold water problem much worse and possibly giving me hypothermia problems. Fortunately, it didn't pull open any further. But when I returned to decompress, I realized that in my disgust and haste, I had neglected to note my starting time. It's the old dive watch era. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this was back uh, in the early days, right? And he was like, I, I, I just thought it was going to be a quick, I'm, it's going to be cold. And it was just do a quick one, but it turned out to be a lot longer. And he's like, I don't know how long I've been down. I don't know how long I've got to decompress. I haven't been paying attention to my time. What do I do? 
He says, in my analysis of this dive, I see several errors. Going too far with a bad suit, forgetting to check my starting time, starting the dive in the wrong state of mind, and many would also include diving alone. Some might deem these errors as being stupid, and if they had been made consciously and intentionally, I would be inclined to agree with them. But they were not made consciously or intentionally. I did not deliberately fail to check my starting time, nor did I think of doing it and decide not to do it. I was simply a careless omission. Despite the best of intentions, all humans are at risk of making errors. All we can ever hope to do is to minimize them. Having two brains working rather than one reduces the risk that a careless error will go unnoticed and uncorrected. Yeah, I mean, good illustration of even even topside making the decision to dive, having two brains in there, two minds, two persons uh, that can give you possibly that edge, that perspective that is needed to say, hey, this isn't a good idea, you dumbass. You need someone to call well, you there's, a dumbass. There's what, okay. You need somebody to call you a dumbass, right? Because there's a good chance your buddy would say, dude, I got uh, some gorilla tape back at the, yeah. the van. Let's, <laughs> let's go I fix that up a little I bit. A stapler. You yeah. know, it, it's going to take 10 minutes to, to walk over there and do this. Let's, just, let's try to mitigate this as much as possible. Or, hey, I've got a spare dry suit. Let's go yeah. dig that out. It, it, the zipper, uh, you know, weeps a little bit, but it's way better than yours being torn open. Or just, you know, make the smart call and go, no, we're not doing this. Or in these days, looking back and going, having another brain that realizes you're so focused on dealing with this leaking suit, I'm also not going to forget to start our time. Yeah. The, the likelihood of that happens pretty yeah, two people reduced for, with two people yes. in account for that, right? Well, yeah. I mean, and, and it could be like even so much as – you get down to the water on any dive, and as you're getting ready to throw your gear on, you go, oh, should I never analyze this bottle? Oh, well, that's right? where you and really you're need. There, I mean, you're there. You're right there getting, crucial. Uh, getting in the water. If you're by yourself, it might be really easy to go, man, uh, every other bottle is fine. This, but, this yeah. weekend has 32 in it. This one's got to have 32 also and just blow it off, but with a with a teammate there with you seeing that would go whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, we, we got to analyze that bottle before we get it well i think that's you know just to make sure that goes to like the <laughs> if you are going to be solo diving do you have the solo diving mindset and you know to me the analyzation thing is not a solo diving mindset it's a diving mindset and and we've just read too many accidents you know we were around in the early days when Analysis wasn't, you know, as regimented as we have it in our mind. Like, we will not dive a tank that is not analyzed, you know, that day or on that trip immediately. You know, it's never touched in another person's hands and you and you ana analyze it. But even analyzing directly before going in the water, we're almost at that point. Um, we won't do it. It's just one of those. It's part of our mantra. <laughs> having that right man mantra mindset that because I, mean, I mean that's that mindset can shift over to something like just this once uh if i was by myself i might just even though it's the dumbest decision to make going in with this leaking pressure gauge spool 
It's a dumb decision. Yeah, it's a dumb decision. Going right? in with and, it, with and if you're a by yourself, you would go. Yeah. It's even dumber if I'm going to be a solo diver to yeah. go in with a leak. But I'm already here. I'm at the water. I'll just do a short dive. Yeah. Right? Whereas having a teammate in the water, you know, is going to go, dude. Hang on. Why it's, are we opening that door? Yeah. It's five. Yeah. It's it's five minutes. I'm going to walk back and we're going to swap out those O-rings and then we'll do the dive. You, sometimes you need that second brain there to make that correct decision for you so that you don't do something that you know, like he just had, right? I mean, nobody would consciously make this decision, but you, you do stupid stuff that just happens. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it can't, it's the, it can't happen to me, itis, or you don't have the background to know, like, you know, analyzing gas is at the root of, so many horror stories and and something like hypothermia can hit you in a, even seven degree water you know this is a cave diver you if you're in a dry suit and you have a leak in 70 degree water and you've got an hour and a half of dive you must do ahead of you to get out and decompress hypothermia is a serious consideration he brings on you can have failures of the body in addition to failures of the mind as well well the mind is part of the body but yeah meaning he says if you've ever dived when you're out of practice you may be familiar with cramped calf muscles he says fortunately for me my cramps have usually worked themselves out over the course of a dive but what if they hadn't and what if for some reason i suddenly had to get somewhere in a hurry and what about an attack of indigestion during a dive I've heard of people vomiting while diving. Vomiting can be very spasmatic. If perchance you took in a little water or bile and started to choke, it might be nice to have a buddy around and make sure you kept the regulator in your mouth. Have you ever had a reverse block? I have, he says. It's no fun. Imagine what it would feel like if a tooth were to explode. Or we pushed out by pressure from within a sinus cavity. The assistance of a buddy to help you maintain your regulator and guide you on the way out during such pain might come in handy. What about some other severe my argument conditions? I know is, you're thinking about it. My argument to that is pain is not a... I'm no stranger to pain. Pain is not... I've been married for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, don't let my wife hear that. <laughs> But he's uh, he makes a good one. Like nobody, yeah. like yes, you think about. Oh, I could have a cramp, and you know what to do in a cramp. I bend down and I grab my cramp, crampy leg, and I stretch it out. But like, when are you going to have the cramp? Is and where are you going to have the cramp? You where can are you going to have like a really silty spot? You have the cramp when you decided you you're just going to take a quick in your peek, back, you and then you cramp, and then boom, yeah. yeah. You could have a cramp almost anywhere. Yeah, of course, they are very common in the lower leg muscles because of uh, that particular kick. But, but yeah, and cramp is – I mean, everything that we're going through are common, you know, maladies or issues with diving. But you can have a an issue that is not diving-related, you know, hit you while you're underwater. Yeah, I mean, you could suffer from exhaustion, CO2 buildup. A heart attack. Dehydration. Dehydration. Which goes into the cramps, which goes into, you know, the, the heart issues, cardiac issues, which also goes into your your thinking, your thinking process. Because dehydration and 
clear mentality go hand in hand. When you start getting dehydrated, you don't think straight either. Yeah, 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 an old injury. Oh, son of a bitch, there went my knee. There's my, the old football <laughs> knee, the old volleyball knee. Uh, shoulder. This, ah, my shoulder my swimming shoulder. Up, right? You know, and, and now you're, you're by yourself. You know, you're by yourself. And you're checkers. You by yourself. Yeah. I got checkers shoulder. Do you ever have checkers? Yeah. Chest, that time, I had a chest, a chest that, knee. That, my, my thumb. <laughs> I blew my thumb out. That time I took r- rook, rook to king seven. I blew my thumb out back in 82. Remember that? Yeah, that was bad. Ambulance. Blood was everywhere. Brett, what about accidents and injuries while well, getting into and out of the water? There's one of a my dumbass sayings, move right there, eh? Yeah, right. I mean, he says one of my long-standing uh, uh, sayings has been, once you know the procedures and have mastered cave diving techniques, one of the most dangerous parts of cave diving is getting in and out of the water. Yeah, that's the same with uh, any diving, boat diving, uh, shore diving. Getting in the water to where you are weightless uh, a lot of times involves, you know, like even shore diving, going over rocky, uh, a rocky shore or entering a beach and there's rocks underwater and you've, I've almost snapped an ankle a couple of times like that. Right. Yeah. Can you, can you imagine snapping an ankle and you're by yourself? Yeah. I can't imagine it. No, crawling. really think about it. You're all by yourself. <laughs> crawling back. <laughs> Trying to crawl back with a set of twins on your back. Yeah. You got a scooter, you're in Tobamore, you got 10 steps to get up just to the back to the deck up there? I just remember that Thunder Bay Christmas cleanup that we did. Uh, oh my God, that was brutal. I mean, that was, it was easily ankle break. That was like fibia, tibia, everything. combo Femur, breaker. all the way up to your iliac crest. <laughs> everything oh, yeah, gets yeah. smashed. Because those well, were I mean, giant boulders, so you had zero visibility, and... You know, there was no easy entry into there with scooter and camera and twins. Even one of our even local spots, you know, I mean, you remember back in the day, you know, uh, entering out at Union, you know, you had to cross the main road. Oh, well, yeah. And we've had we've had people face plant in the the middle (laughs) in the middle of that road, you know, going out to do a quick little night dive. You got to scurry across the road like you don't want to be a. 200 pound roadkill with a set of twins on your back on, on that road. But doing that, if you were all by yourself and you slipped and fell and, and tumbled over like that, yeah. or one of our other places like Mason, could you imagine a, a falling over that guardrail? Oh, for crying out loud. Going, yeah. going down the hill, the rocky hill. With your twins on and they're not turned on and. You oh. just go in the water, and you've got to get out of those things while you're, you know, and it's a fast drop-off right there. Oh, yeah, It's like yeah. one step, and you're in five feet of water. Yeah, yeah. And people don't think about that as part of I do. solo diving. Do. Like solo diving, there's, there's that component, too, just the getting into and out of the water. Probably one of the most dangerous times. We had a guy invite, invite us out uh, to go do a local shipwreck uh, out on his boat, we get out to his boat, Brad. He's got like a fifty-foot offshore racer. Yeah, cigarette. It's, it's boat. not really yeah. a good. It's not really a good dive boat. It's not. I mean, the the, the transit, the back of the boat is like it's like a four-foot drop yeah. to the water. Yeah, I've done and, that. And, yeah. and, and then you got to kind of. There's a little handle to hold <laughs> on to. And then you got to like stand on the on the on the actual boat motor and 
balance yeah. on a rudder and, and, and try to climb up to, wow. to go out and just jump in the water by yourself and not have somebody on the boat to help get you back in. Yeah. You'd, you'd have been, been trapped there. out in the, the, the middle of Lake Huron. Perhaps one of the most serious hazards to the solo diver is the guideline. If you become entangled, it is entirely up to you to disentangle yourself, regardless of where or how the line is caught. If you have to cut the line to free yourself, despite the best of intentions, it is incredibly easy to let go of the wrong line. Let's hope you can see and have some time to deal with such a problem. I mean, just dealing with an emergency in an overhead environment, I mean, it's why there's like certain protocols that we have for moving to exit side and it makes out to be such a big deal when you're learning to dive in an overhead environment that you spend time always thinking through that because it's so easy to get wrapped up in the moment see line grab it and just start going Hmm. right yeah well yeah yeah the line is uh as we know the line is your best friend and your worst enemy at the same time so again that's another one where the proponents of solo diving are in the it can't happen to me camp um, because that's just stupid. That's a that's a dumbass thing. I don't know how that ever happens to people. And yet some of the most experienced and skillful divers uh, in the world have become entangled in their lines. One of the biggest things is being in a small, tight, silty environment. It's got to be better to be alone than uh, with a buddy, because it's going to be silty. That's more people kicking up silt. Well, still your dumbass kicking up silt. <laughs> so just remember that, that, and and God forbid it's not just silt. You're in a clay environment with a, with little to no flow. You're, um, you're going to have a bad day there. Sometimes it's not even you. It's somebody else in the cave system that has stirred it up, and you're in the, it's, floated to you and you're in the middle of it you had nothing to do with that silt out but you're by yourself in a silt out in a cave and that's happened i've seen that more than a couple times where somewhere down the cave somebody's having an issue and uh or had an issue and that cloud is just drifting through the cave and like you know like i said there's different different bottom compositions that mean different things as far as a silt out going with with clay probably being the worst somebody stirs it up in a clay environment, that doesn't settle down. He says, if you're still going to do it anyway, here are some tips which you may wish to consider including with your solo procedures. Always. (laughs) Always. No, wait. Never bring a buddy. Um. Don't smoke before diving. Well, he's got that in there. He says, uh, don't smoke before diving. Or better yet, don't smoke. Be fit. Don't <laughs> eat or drink just before diving. Be fit. Okay, well, I showed up at the dive site. Hey, don't forget to be fit. So would my do 20 jumping jacks before I hop in the water? Don't eat or drink just before diving? Well, I got it. I'm drinking right up to the moment I get in the water. Water. Drinking water. He says, obviously, you must carry all spare equipment yourself if you're going to do this. One of the first redundant systems which comes to mind is air supply. 
This is odd when you consider the fact that cave diving fatalities are very rarely attributed to failures in the air supply system. Normally, he says it's a siltout or line entanglement, confusion, bad air planning, etc. Air supply redundancy has often been accomplished through the use of a buddy bottle or a stage bottle. You should be able to get all the way out of whatever you get yourself into on either air supply. He said, I used a buddy bottle in conjunction with manifolded doubles until I realized that I could unmanifold my doubles and dive them as twin singles using a third in on each tank and then on either tank or half in on one and then out, and assuming both tanks start with the same amount of air, and then carry a third tank only for longer dives. He says, depending on your experience and how you do it, the additional hassle of carrying a stage bottle may induce significant additional stress so as to outweigh the probable benefit of the redundant air supply. The stage bottle further reduces what may already be a small hazard. Stress adds another hazard. You know, when you talk about air supply and running out of the air supply, you might also be all out of love. <laughs> because air supply happens to be the greatest rock duo of the 80s. <laughs> and and uh, they were if, all when out you're all love. out of love, you'll be so lost without you. <laughs> yes. But then you can make love out of nothing at all. Their other smash hit from 1983. <laughs> now, now, when you brought up Air Supply, that is the first thing that went through my mind, was I'm all out of love. So I'm not only all out of air, I'm all out of love. It's a double whammy when you get the Air Supply. <laughs> when you have problems with your Air Supply... There's a lot of people, especially the young people, that are just like, these clowns got to go. Especially this one clown. <laughs> but. but Brando, he makes a, a point of, you know, just carrying a bunch of extra extras being the mentality of the solution, right? You know, well, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm going to have a couple of sets of tables, you know, stuffed into into my pockets. Right. I won't get lost. You know. I have a map. I. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm bringing this giant drill. I'll just drill up and come out somewhere. I could lose a mask. So I'm carrying spare masks. What about a thin strap? One of I lose. Yeah, and then I like uh, steel spring straps. Yeah. Right, there's all these issues that could be become issues, and these issues could become more of issues. Yeah, and all to, all to avoid having to deal with a uh, quote unquote bad partner. He says, when one dives deep on air, the mind can become incredibly flaky due to narcosis <laughs> and high air consumption rates. Events such as rolling over, implosion, silt out, any delay, which, which might only be little problems or inconveniences in shallow water, can cause big problems at depth. Just keeping track of time, depth, air, line, and which way is out can be a full-time job. I have found the countdown timer provided with many digital watches to be very helpful in that if set properly... And if it works, and if you hear it, it alerts you when it's time to turn back. 
But I guess, you know, a, a lot of this is tongue-in-cheek about, yeah. you know, we can always think of a million different ways to get around having the buddy. And one of the things that I like most uh, that, that he brings up as a great point is what we were talking about at the very beginning of this episode is there's different degrees of loneliness. <laughs> and he says, there's definitely <laughs> different degrees of loneliness. He says, uh, diving alone is not like being pregnant. <laughs> Are you sure? I always, <laughs> I always told my wife I know what she's going through because I've, I've done some solo diving. I've done some solo diving, honey. So uh, stop your exactly. whining. <laughs> stop your whining and just spit that kid out right now. <laughs> Listen, I remember this one solo dive. I wanted a pickle sandwich, too. <laughs> exactly. I had these cravings. <laughs> I couldn't even see my toes. But it's like the old adage, right, of either you are pregnant or you're not pregnant. It's one or the yeah, other. Yeah, you're not. Right? Take your pick, I'm right? a little right? pregnant. A little <laughs> well, I'm just pregnant. I'm slightly pregnant. <laughs> uh, he says it is possible to be more alone on one dive than another. And by more alone, I mean help is further away. The diver who dives alone when no one else is at the dive site is more alone than one who has surface tender, who can fetch more air for decompression. The solo diver who enters the cave alone is more alone than divers of a group of divers who dive out of sight of one another. And if there's ever a time when you cannot hold your breath until your buddy can respond to your signal to give you air, then during that time you are alone as far as major air failures go, like a broken manifold or low-pressure hose, which drains your tank before you can turn it off. He says, I've found it almost impossible to hold my breath for more than a few seconds while swimming only moderately. In this respect, many divers who start and end their dives in groups are alone many times during their dives. This is especially true while on scooters or while negotiating restrictions, and most especially true for the rear diver. Are you a rear diver? I'm not a rear diver. <laughs> Depends on my buddy team. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know uh, what you can add to this. I mean... Um, there are degrees of you can be alone with with a buddy in the water too, you know, like we said. Absolutely, so, and that's probably we earlier, yeah. what causes people to go into pure pure solo diving. Correct, it, which is again, it comes back to mindset. Right. He says, as far as line entanglements are concerned, an abandoned diver need not worry about freeing himself as long as he has sufficient air and patience to wait for a buddy to return and help him. He is not as alone as an entangled diver who began his dive alone. That's pretty alone. Yeah. Uh, that's very, very alone, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you being, can wait being, and wait and wait. And chances are, unless it's a busy cave, you're going to be waiting there for a little while. Yeah, but that's a, a, a like the team gets separated for a few minutes. Right. Because of somebody got snagged up in a restriction. Yeah, you're alone there. For a couple seconds or minutes. But then yeah. like, once, we, once the lead divers realize we've, we're one light short, we turn, go back, okay, you're not alone anymore. Right. But to have that same restriction issue and you're alone alone is a whole different level now of alone. Yeah, now you've got to fix it. So your solution is you know, one of your 17 knives you have, um, which... There adds a problem right there. Now you've 
you cut the line <laughs> and and you are handling the cut line. So who knows what's going to happen to it when it snaps and goes out of sight. Anyway, there's a million a million ways that could, that could play out as far as you being fully and truly alone and getting entangled in the line. And none of them are really that good. I mean, the most favorable is you're able to cut the line and tie it back together and you see it, you know, you, you, it's right in your vision. It's an easy cutout. What about air failures? Air failures. He says the rear diver is the most alone in a group. Let's just call him the butt diver. (laughs) (laughs) He's a butt diver. When it comes to (laughs) entanglements, the lead diver is the most alone, particularly if he gets so far ahead as to lose contact with the rest of the group. If the rest of the party suddenly has to return and the lead diver is out of reach and cannot be signaled, then he is on his own. On deep dives, since each diver's survival depends heavily on his own ability to propel himself out, anyone who dives deep is partially alone in this respect. There's very little that can be done for an unconscious diver. Well, there's more that can be done than if you're alone as an unconscious diver. Okay, there's 100% more that can be done for an unconscious diver when they're not alone. (laughs) You know, when you're alone and you're unconscious, uh, that's that's probably where you're going to stay for a little while, at least till you become conscious again, if that happens. If that happens. Imagine that lonely drive home. (laughs) If you did come and you got yourself out. He says, I remember a dive on which the lead diver very nearly became alone by getting too far ahead. I had reached my time limit and wanted to turn back. Since this was a deep dive, time was important. The lead diver had gotten so far ahead that I could not get his attention. And while I had a bright light, since his scooter was faster than mine, I could not catch up to him. For a while, I was faced with the decision of how much further I would follow him or how much longer I would wait before I would just leave with or without him. You know, and that's, again, it's starting a dive with a buddy team, but becoming two solo divers, which you know we've looked at a lot of the, the issues that we've seen over the years, is what happens. It's, yeah, he's diving alone, but he didn't start alone, right. but they ended alone. Uh, I mean, that goes to the, the whole idea like... <laughs> Just because you have a person with you doesn't mean that you're a team. You, you have to be on the same mentality, the same training level, the same uh, protocols, same practices. Uh, you can't just hop in the water and, and take off, on, especially scootering. I mean, it's so easy to, to be, you know, 500 feet apart in, in a matter of minutes. Oh, yeah, easily. And you might as well not even, you know, if you're 500 feet apart, you're not diving with a buddy okay? no even though they're in there <laughs> yeah. somewhere yeah, yeah absolutely i mean that's a huge difference between a dive buddy and a teammate well, that's why you have to learn how to dive scooters you have to learn how to stay together as a team these are all part, you have to part know, of the skill yeah, set i mean there takes time to develop good team awareness and team positioning and who goes where and yeah it, it's easy to sit here now i'm sure he knows that the guy with the fastest scooter doesn't go in the front no, and, and and you always have the team. the The speed set is, is to the slowest or the weakest link, if you will. The you're always going the slowest, whether you're swimming or, or you know, on a scooter. 
But if you go ahead and put the fastest swimmer as lead, now he's got a second job of purposely staying slow, or she's got a second job of perfectly purposely staying slow to keep to allow the whole team to stay with them, which can be a pain versus put the slowest guy up in the lead and uh, everybody will just stay behind that person. It's just like dive lights. Yeah. He says a diver who swims in the rear with a dim light is somewhat alone if he cannot flash a buddy in front of him. His companionship depends on the diver ahead keeping track of him. For this reason, divers with dimmer lights should go in front. You don't even need a light to get the attention of a buddy following behind you. If he has a brighter light, it should be no problem for him to get your attention. Right. Or sandwich that weak link, you know. And also, you can start out with the brightest light, and you're not at the brightest light within minutes sometimes or, you know, halfway through the dive. Yeah, and if if you don't reposition the group of divers that works to the benefit of the team, it can easily be three solo divers because of poor positioning to begin with. And that's something, you know, again, we're, we're talking about cave diving right now, but what we're talking about as far as staying together as a team and where to position different divers dependent on their strengths or their equipment that they happen to have, that, that philosophy is not brought up in many classes at all, especially in, in recreational world. It's not brought up really at all. I can't think of a class by the books that really talks about positioning of, of a dive team uh, with regard to equipment or with regard to a skill set they happen to have or an ability they have, you know. That's because uh, we, we, we got to spend uh, some time doing <laughs> surface <laughs> snorkel breathing in full switch, scuba. Switch to your switching, regulator. Yeah, switch yeah. to your snorkel. Yeah, the, There's the, no time for team positioning. If you go through the manual and you, you look at how many times they say switch from regulator to snorkel versus, hey, uh, diver positioning is crucial to safety as a team underwater and awareness is crucial. You might have you might have a sentence saying that somewhere. Right, we, gotta, we, we have to do drop your weights and blow and go. There's right, no, and there's fin no time pivots, for yeah. team positioning and awareness. No, I'm, I, you're preaching to the choir, Jamesy, and that that's I mean that's a lot to do with what we're talking about. And when it starts at day one, you know, in that base layer of your pyramid of of scuba career, that that crucial skill just is that block is missing on your base of your pyramid. So everything starts to crumble above it. If you don't have this, uh, this knowledge and skill set of awareness and, and diver positioning and looking at the dive from a team work or a team point of view. Wait, so let me get this right. Get it right. So you're saying <laughs> just carrying an extra bottle is not going to help me? Exactly. I think I think we're we're getting that across. The old, you know, buddy bottle kind of thing is while it does address one possible issue, it doesn't address the uh almost infinite amount of possibilities of things that can go wrong where another set of eyes another brain another set of hands unless you're diving with the armless dude well well i've got two <laughs> shearwaters 
Exactly. Well, uh, with um, I, there, I've got two different gradient factors, so you, I can be extra safe. I, you I, could I know, probably. I know this dive from two different gradient factor angles. If you've got two you know, shear waters. Not, you saying that's not the the solution? No. Although, if you got two shear waters, you could probably walk on the water. But um, no, that is not the solution. You know this, so you can bring three extra tanks and four extra tanks it's that's not the solution to every issue that can you know rear its ugly face underwater while diving by yourself and and as we have gone over and as we know adding more equipment adds more stress to a certain degree and and can be a huge source of stress and even potential mishaps if you have so much gear like you can't keep track of it I mean, you see it all the time in, in, in training situations where uh, the, these students come into something like the Essentials and the, the, they've, they've read on the Internet all the gear they got to buy. Their pockets are yeah. stuffed full of uh, my right pocket stuff with the right pocket stuff and my left pocket stuff with the left pocket stuff. And uh, you're on a situation where it's so problematic yeah. to reach in and pull out the wet notes. <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, they don't want to do it. Even though they've got it right there because they know that they weren't supposed to get in the water without that tool, the the mere act of, well, now I actually have to reach down, open that pocket up, pull out. the That's going to be such a clusterfuck, and yeah. I'm going to be flopping and flailing. They they don't do it even though they have that tool there. And then the discussion comes after the dive of, well, um, yeah, you, you're just taking it is not enough. You've got to train to the point where I can use cleanly everything that I'm going to take. And you've got to train with the, the gear you're going to be diving with. I mean, it's one thing to reach into your pocket, your left pocket, and, and grab your spare mask when you don't have stage bottles on, when, you, when you're not with a scooter. You know, it's, Son of a! Yeah, when you've got stage bottles, oh, no. trying to yeah. reach that left pocket is a pain in the ass at times. Or having a giant heating, you know, heater battery strapped to your right side and trying to reach around that to... Get something you have tagged on your butt D-ring or get into that right pocket. There, It's not as simple as like on the surface walking around and, oh, I carry an extra 20 bucks in my left pocket. Well, yeah, you just reach in and grab it. But underwater, yes. <laughs> with dry gloves, with, you know, stage bottles. Exactly. And- I mean, and even if you it, it was so hard to grab that you had to, you know, Go to the changing facilities and completely disrobe in order to get into that pocket, and it took you an extra half hour to do it. There's no time restriction on the surface. Yeah, and I like bringing up like the, there is underwater, right? Where the minutes tick, the, the clock's ticking, and you know, as we learn in this this article, you know, two to three minutes at depth can cost, you know. 45 minutes an hour at deco do you have that extra gas for deco do you have that that yeah especially when he's talking on on some of these deep dives like earlier yeah yeah and it's easy to get so i mean we know this on just regular open water it's so easy to get delayed from something stupid and again running line or whatnot have your mask fail you while you're running a line and you're carrying a stage bottle and you're by yourself. That's and you're by yourself, yeah. right? It's it's your heart's a whole. Yeah. In his concluding remarks, Roger says, "I often suspect the motives of someone who tells me he did some dive alone when aloneness is entirely irrelevant to the subject being discussed. 
I have often seen divers diving alone less safely than they could be. And I suspect that many divers who would never get in or out of the water alone are alone during their dives more often than they realize. And I hope by this article that I have increased your awareness that there is more to diving alone than carrying a stage bottle. I'll carry a spare mask, bitch. Carry a separate shear water and a stage bottle and a spare mask. And I don't know. What else? What else? Oh, a couple extra knives. There you go. Well, Brando, that is uh, an interesting look at what most people, you know, consider a loan and consider a solo dive often is not, you know, exactly what uh, the uh, is in the eye of the beholder, that beautiful solo dive situation. Right. Yeah, it's it's always, you know, <laughs> it, it it can't happen to me. And when you you have a good solo dive, now we talk about that normalization of deviance. You're like, see, it, it it's fine. And then you have ten or twenty good solo dives, and you're super confident. And that's when the mistakes start to happen, as we know from prior episodes and of prior articles and on, on when people start making mistakes it's when they've normalized a deviance and they've got this false sense of confidence that it can't happen i've already done it 20 times and then that one thing happens that never happened in your 20 right. dives and that's that's you know that again that's the normal I bring up normalization of deviance all the time because we see it all the time because we see the f- people doing shortcuts and and things like solo diving and nothing happens. And that is because diving is quite forgiving in, in many respects. And then you've all of a sudden got this idea like, oh, it's fine to do that because I've done it half a dozen times, a dozen times, two dozen times. Nothing's ever happened. I'm good. It won't happen to me easy to easy to get yourself into that position and then there's also the yes i'm not going to solo dive but when you sit there and you think about it you you, are you, solo you, diving, you yeah. go wow you know I, I put myself in a position often on dives that puts me in a situation of being alone even though i do have a buddy there yeah i'm kind of alone and you think about whether you're you know you're you're working together, and we decide, hey, we're going to try to get this cool shot. Yeah, so you swim right? 200 yeah, feet you away. Go, yeah. yeah, you drop down inside the wreck, come back around. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this you know, shot from the bow mm-hmm. of you exiting out of this cargo hatch. Okay, you, you got to – at first thought, you're like, well, we're two guys in the water together, yeah. diving together. But you got to go, well, there are times where we put ourselves in the mentality of needing to think – as if I'm alone. Even though I'm not alone, I'm yeah. putting myself in a position where we are alone at times. Well, that speaks to that degree of loneliness that we covered here. So that's, yeah. I mean, you're alone, but you're not alone. I mean, in that case, it's, are you physically or, or alone? The op- yes, or the opposite not. of that, yeah. right? You're not alone, but you are alone. Right. In the sense of you got a, a, a complete idiot with you. <laughs> kind of like, he's, he's right next to me. If I had a no, problem, the, uh, he could help no, me. No, you're, you're as in you're not you're not alone. Yeah. But you put yourself, you know, uh, we're going to go through a restriction. Oh well, yeah. You, right? You've got to now. Take there's a time where uh, we're, yeah. we're both yeah. going to be alone on opposite sides of that restriction yeah. for a moment. Or we go, hey, uh, the visibility is so good. I'm going to back off like a hundred feet away from this wreck. Right. 
and get this like shot of you coming in where we can get the whole entire thing and now there you are uh, like this tiny little speck of a diver on this whole entire shipwreck oh cool all right so we're not alone but we put ourselves alone momentarily to a degree and that's what i really loved about when i when i was coming when i came across this article the degrees of of aloneness for for divers out there whether they're cave divers or open water divers to, to think about solo diving isn't just getting in and out of the water alone you know and in addition to that, solo diving is also the getting in and out of the water, not just the dive itself. It's like, you know, you slip and fall and break a leg trying to get into the dive site and you're all by yourself and you, you know, die from exposure to the elements <laughs> because nobody knows yeah, you're there. Right. Wow. You got a broken leg and there's no way you're climbing back up that hill. Mm-hmm. That's a That's total a, different type of aloneness. Uh, never, I did a solo dive, but I never even got in the water. Right, and it was a solo diving fatality. Right, I mean that—that's a point of view that I think would really be helpful if you are, you know, one of these people contemplating the the solo diving practice. And at the same time, you know, I, I would go to the other side and say, hey, it's anybody's right to to go ahead and dive alone if they want. I mean. Yeah, for sure. I'm not going to restrict anybody's. No, no, because I get it. I understand uh, where they're coming from. And it's, um, hey, we're just trying to bring a little bit more insight to the people. Uh, uh, A chin scratcher, uh, thought pondering discussion. Another one coming at you from the Great Dive podcast, everybody. Well, it is one more thing. I mean, it's one thing to say I'm going to go solo diving. You've got, you know, a thousand cave dives under your belt. You're a highly practiced team member, and you want to go diving solo versus you got 200 open water dives in your advanced dive card, and you are like, I'm going solo, bitch, because I'm all that. It's too hard. Of, yeah. Slice of cheese. I always lose my buddy. I'm going solo. Exactly. So those are I two I mean, my buddy always loses different. me. Yeah. <laughs> Buddy's All right, everybody. Well, hey, there you go. Shout out to old Roger Werner for that awesome little uh, story. To those who would dive alone, uh, if you uh, if you Google it, you can kind of find it. Uh, there's a it's reprinted a few times. It's in an old uh, issue of Underwater Speleology that you can find digitally online. Uh, over there at the NSS CDS. Uh, this is from the January, February 1989 is where this was printed in. And uh, But it's in a few other publications and PDFs you can find out there. They didn't even have sheer waters whole, in the 80s. No wonder this article no, that's, that's why he had to set his watch back then. <laughs> they, they, I don't, they were, did, was the Edge even out in 89? I'm trying to window the Edge. Right? Work a Edge? Oh, yeah. Anyway. All right, everybody. Well, hey, we will talk to you again next week for another ending of, I can't believe uh, Kids Every Month is coming to an end here next week already. It makes me sad. I'm shedding uh, it's, it's, it's a happening, cave tear. happening quick. I can see that stone <laughs> tear falling from here. It's forming a stalactite. There's stalagmite, actually. All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Until then, toodles.
The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando.